Yo, yo. How you doing? Ah, uh, I'm dying. <laughs> really? I I have like the worst allergies imaginable and they only last for about three weeks a year and these are those three weeks. So yeah, it's been awful. Oh, yuck. Yuck. It's all right. I have a home remedy. I'm going to try. Nice. <laughs> Knowing you, it probably involves some form of alcohol in the quickest way possible. Uh, the alcohol comes later if the first one doesn't work. I basically cut up a line of garlic powder like uh, cocaine and just sniff it. It burns like hell, but after the second sneeze, I'm able to breathe again. <laughs> huh, that's interesting. Yeah, don't try that one at home, kids. It's probably bad for you. I would assume most likely it is. Okay. Uh, welcome to the B-Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. Tonight I am joined by Josh Krubner. Hello. Uh, we are here to do our weekly reviews of uh, the CWDC television. But there is no flash as we speak or in 20 minutes. Right, right. So this week we will be doing uh, Sunday night's, this past Sunday night's Batwoman. And we're also going to do a retro review of a season one episode that you asked me to watch. <laughs> yep. And it was actually better than this thing from Sunday. So. Um, oh, wow. I am interested in this one. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's the same argument I've been making over and over again. Like, this is, you know, that one was more of like a stereotypical Batman thing. Than I mean, like, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, it was more entertaining, but it's probably the worst written episode of season one. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and watch the whole thing <laughs> just as a comparative. Um,. So this week's regular episode was titled Arrive Alive. No, um, it wasn't the uh, Fast and the Furious Gotham Drift, which <laughs> she actually said in the episode. Did she? I must have missed that. Yeah. Okay, that sounds horrid. Um, I will try to do the plot on this again, and I will actually do what I did before and just focus on the on like a by character basis. Um, so. Starts off with a. So there's obviously some Fast and Furious where, you know, Black Mask has dudes in like Fast and Furious type cars hijacking stuff. And uh, Ryan goes out in the bat suit trying to stop one of those things and breaks it up. Oh, is that you or was I on the internet or something? Uh, you were on the internet or something. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Uh, sorry about that, folks. Um, so Ryan busts up an attempt by the Black Mask people to uh, steal some shit. And uh, turns out Sophie was undercover. And she blew Sophie's inroad with that. Um, you also find out, um, and maybe I didn't, I missed this earlier, but. Um, you also find out that uh, Black Mask capture has Ryan's ex girlfriend because she's going to continue to make the snake bite stuff for him. Um, so I wasn't aware that she could do that. I thought she was the dealer. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, they they added that in between the weeks. Yeah, and then he he like puts her on the floor and. Judge Doom's dip from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yep. Which, 
I didn't get what he what he was trying to do there. Was he trying to burn her face off? I, I think he was trying to threaten her, but like she was in the stuff, and then she got up and she was fine. Yeah, yeah. So then, um, from what I remember, after that, uh, Ryan decides to because Sophie's obviously burned with the undercover thing. Um, Ryan decides to go out of costume and try to uh, do the same thing that she was doing, get in as one of the drivers. Um, right, so Black Mask, well, first of all, they only called him Black Mask once, then they started calling him False Face. Oh, I thought that was a reference to the gang. Well, it's his gang, and then, like, they dropped calling him Black Mask and started calling him False Face. I was like, what the fuck? Okay. But um, the the way that it works is he's stealing Scarecrow Fear Toxin, which is one of the two or three ingredients in the snake bite. Which doesn't have any kind of like volatile shelf life, but for some reason they have to do this illegal street race to drop the canisters off within four minutes. Otherwise, the drivers are considered burned. Yep. Which, if you're trying to make and steal illegal drugs, why would you do it via a street race that attracts police attention? Yeah, it seems kind of silly. Uh, yeah. So. There is, you know, then uh, Sophie gets called the called the task by Jacob Kane for screwing up this undercover thing, even though it's clearly Ryan's fault, right? But because Jacob is all strung out on the snake bite, he's an asshole and basically tells her to go fuck herself. Um, so uh, she uh, she goes on her own to try to find. Black mask, false face, whatever they're calling him this week, and uh, so she does. She does that. She finds where Angelique is, I believe, and then uh, Batwoman also shows up there, and they basically have Black Mask dead to rights, and then he throws up video of Angelique on a wall saying, "Let me go, or I'll just kill her," and. This is where I realized that Sophie is a terrible, like, security person slash cop. Yeah. Because you know what her reaction should have been? Kill her. Go ahead, kill her, I'm taking you in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, of course, they don't do that, and he gets away. Um, I couldn't tell if, like, that thing with, with Ryan as a driver is going to come back again. I really um, doubt it. Yeah, and because they they broke out the remote control Batmobile from Batman Returns. Yep, and then Luke like couldn't drive her car for some reason. Yeah, and I assume part of me would assume that it will, but then this whole thing has been written so badly. I have no idea whether they'll even remember that they did that this week or not. I, I also love how she's supposed. She brings her real cell phone, which she has Sophie listed as Crofy. Oh, really? Oh, really? I must have that. Okay. That's funny, though. Um, and then, there. oh, in the weekly I No Longer Give a Shit Alice plot, uh, she goes looking for uh, that Enigma person who apparently is a shrink. Yep. Is like a practicing shrink. Yep, she's uh, like doing the crows shrinking. Okay, so then there's there's some uh, 
there's some interaction there and you're gonna have to let me know whether this was actually like a hallucination or not but i thought i read the i read the following as a real thing ocean is alive yep because the knife that he was stabbed by stabbed with by alice was coated in like the liquid form of the lesbian blood death flower thing. Yep. So he's now alive again. <laughs> yeah, no, he was alive that episode. Like she pulled the knife out of him and he was fine. Oh, okay. See, I thought he actually died back then. No, well, that would have made sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I th- I thought he died, and then they were saying like, oh no, he didn't actually die because the the knife had the the liquid form of a desert rose on it. He he also then confirmed what we thought, and then the show told us otherwise that Sophia is his actual sister. Yes, yes, which did. at that point Sarah hilariously made the connection, and and she's like, "Wait, Sophia, the pirate lesbian?" <laughs> and uh, it was like you know a, a very good retro Simpsons episode throwback when Bart is in France and he's like lamenting the fact that he can't speak French and he's doing it in French, and then he realizes and he's able to tell the cops. And I just looked at Sarah and I was like, oh my god, it's like Bart learning to speak French. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, I mean, this is just, I don't, I don't even know anymore. I'm running out of, I'm running out of adjectives to use to describe my, like, basic frustration with this entire show. Well, so that's why we threw in the retro one, and especially that one, because, uh, I figured, I was like, we're not even going to make 10 minutes, and we, we haven't. We made, like, seven and a half, um, you know. So my biggest question for you and for Sarah, and I'll, I'll walk out and get her take in a minute, but, you know, I was wondering if you would think the season one episode was either objectively written worse or if the season two one is just lazy because that's what it really seems like to me. It struck me as with with that question as a comparative point it struck me as um the the season one episode might not be written well necessarily but they're trying but uh, yes they're trying and it's written more simply like yeah season two in a lot of ways seems to be uh, unnecessarily convoluted or not even not even convoluted but like I, and I don't even want to use this word because I feel like it gives the writing writers more credit than they deserve. But like, it's almost like overly. A lot of things are overly vague. Like, I complete like it's becoming a regular theme of like some not necessarily huge thing, but some fairly significant thing in every episode that I completely missed because of how it's presented. Yeah, like you know. I legitimately thought that Ocean was dead like a month ago and then suddenly they pull him back out again and I'm, I'm sitting here going, you're literally going to tell me that he lived because the the knife had that weird liquid flower thing on it? Like, okay, fine. Yeah, no, they, they brought him back that episode and then she sticks Tatiana with the same knife and I'm like, okay, so she's not dead either and she even says, she's like, Leave that knife in her for a while, and then we'll pull it out when she's had her fill. Yeah, yeah. And I, oh, one thing I did find funny, like, her motivation, Alice's motivation for uh, wanting to use Enigma has changed entirely. 
where I thought it started out as you took my memories away from me, so I want my memories back, which, you know, makes sense, uh, turns into I want you to take all my memories of my sister away from me. Right. Even though I know that will fundamentally change me as a human being, I don't really care, and I still want you to do that. Uh, yeah, it didn't didn't make sense, but you know we we can uh, we we can move on to bigger and well, better. Or I worse. think I think the I think the problem with that character, I mean, and we've been talking about the whole season about how she doesn't really belong here anymore, is that they don't really know what to do with her, and they're just making her like stereotypically insane. Well, yeah, and I mean, we definitely see the contrast with that in the season one episode. Yeah. Oh, we got to play the ratings game before we do that. Um, so last week came in, or last episode, I can't remember if it was last week or not, uh, came in at 484,000. Would you assume this one went up or down? I would say it went up. I don't think it's going to go under 400 at this point. Yep. You are correct. Uh, Five hundred and sixty-one thousand for wow. Monday. Yeah, I think I think people are waiting for this new Kate to come in. Yep, and because they haven't given a stinger since the one time she showed up, sort of. Yep, and we still people haven't. Think, well, there's two episodes left. She's got to be on this one. Yep, and we still haven't actually seen the new actress yet either. No. Um, I think before the season finale airs, we'll have to make our predictions as to what they're going to do with that. Exactly, yep. and we'll probably be wrong because you know we we apply writing logic to these things where they seem to apply none whatsoever. Right. Um, I will say this one. Uh, I I began to realize that you know you know how I constantly talk about the agenda hammer. Yep. With this show, I've realized that um, this writing staff, and I say that with air quotes, um, rather than having actual writing just has two hammers that they use the agenda hammer and the stupid hammer um this one kind of lacked any overt use of the agenda hammer but the stupid hammer was in full effect yeah i really think that whoever wrote this was just watching fast and the furious in the background and was like oh, i can make that a thing yeah probably okay so i guess we can go on to the retro one from here Yes, so before we do that, uh, just to set the stage, because you hadn't seen this episode previously, right? No, no, I had not. I know I, you I, haven't I, seen most of these episodes. Like, I saw pilot. I saw one, in, and it was two years ago now, when I, I'm going to go back and watch the whole season again, because uh, I know we'll end up talking about it. Uh, at the time, I believe I saw one and two, and then the crisis one, and then I stopped. Okay, so the crisis one comes after this one by a lot. Uh, I think it's like four episodes later. The third episode is also particularly bad. So just to set the stage, I'm sure you were able to kind of figure out what was going on in context. Um, Alice knows Kate is Batwoman and her sister. She's known basically since the first episode. Kate knows that Alice is Beth. Uh, Beth is trying to basically show Jacob that she's alive, but she also keeps trying to kill him. Um, she okay. was dating the dirty cop or dirty crow who Kate took prisoner, tortured until he got sepsis. And then, uh, that's the guy that she dumps on Mary for the episode. Okay. Yeah. I, 
I figured that guy had been captured in a previous episode. Yeah, she she yeah. totally illegally like detains him and just full on tortures him. Uh, yeah, so at that this point, one she she had just become you know officially Batwoman, like just introduced herself to the city. They're still not sure about her. Um, I guess the first two episodes we were supposed to believe that she was like pretending to be Batman. Even though she didn't look anything like Batman, she just looked like a giant bobblehead. Clearly a woman. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, but, um, but if I remember correctly, the first two episodes didn't have the the wig or the giant red bat across the chest. It was just a regular bat suit. Right. Right. So Mary obviously doesn't know who she is. Somehow, uh, her and Luke are are just starting to become friends. Her and Sophie are not together. Sophie's actually married to a dude at this point. I do she's remember pretending that. that she's not gay. I do remember that. Even though she had formerly been, uh, you know, Kate's ex. Right. And like Julia hasn't shown up yet either. No, Julia hasn't shown up yet. And Kate has just completely taken over Bruce's life. And she's like, I'm Bruce now. Oh, cute. So real quick, let's uh, let me let me just get a quick summary from Sarah. <laughs> This should be good. Hey, baby. Hello. So what were your thoughts on the season one episode of Batwoman we watched? <sighs> Where to begin? Um, it was it was just so nonsensical. Um, I think I really lost it, the grappling hook into like nowhere, and then she just like dive bombs like off the the like just like off the roof, I like threw my hands up and I'm like, that's it. I can't watch this anymore. And did you think that uh, Kate was better or Ryan is better? I, I mean, is C an answer? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what I thought. Oh, Love you, baby. <laughs> All right. So Sarah definitely hinted at the, uh, the big conclusion. We'll get to that, but let's, let's break this some bitch down in detail. Sure. And this episode is called Who Are You? Mm-hmm. It is the uh, fourth episode of season one mm-hmm. following the hilariously awful Tommy Elliott episode, which actually set up the super bat grapple uh, and it doesn't do it any better or worse. And um, <laughs> yeah, let, let's jump right into it. Let me tell you, in that scene in the museum where she breaks the vase with the batarang, I I knew my brain immediately went to oh fuck this is the one where you find out that the battering doesn't work because her arms are too short isn't it yes yes uh, so one of the things that I did I was driving home and you know most people know I have a, a rather lengthy commute especially with traffic um, I went back for the you know EFAP watches reviews Batwoman and they're like 40 50 minute episodes. Um, and I realized that this one, they just obviously started the show. It's episode four. This is where the majority of their Batwoman meme content comes from. Okay. Um, it had the hilariously awful Batwoman fight song, which played when she was diffusing the, and I'm going to put air quotes here, bombs, which is the dun 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 Oh, they played that in season one at least 16 times. You mean that the the... The fight scene where she was staggering around like a drunk with the cape on? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, 
this was the the first one, I believe, where Jacob Kane slams his laptop down and says, "What'd you bring me?" Which is how they end every single Batwoman EFAP to this day. Because <laughs> uh, like every time they walk into his office, and like the first five episodes, all he says and all he does. Um, and this is, of course, the the long arm. <laughs> That somebody did like a you know the the Spider-Man meme. Someone did a, a Kate Kane as Batwoman, Spider-Man, and it's just got these hilariously long, long arms, and it says Bruce Wen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, I have away, to, John. I have to say, like, there are just little things I noticed where like they could learn from the some of the things in season one for the season that's going on right now and maybe it would be a slightly more pleasant experience to watch this show like luke's luke is not an outright dick to kate kane at every possible turn (laughs) um yeah they they set up that weird like luke just hates ryan thing and like they run it into the ground and it's getting better like he's less of a he's less of an open asshole to her by now but it's just like i even noticed like the first time he talks to kate i was like wait he's not being all snarky and dickish i'm confused yeah no instead he uh is just flabbergasted about women having said oh that was the other thing so the episode opens with kate in bed with a blonde bartender uh she literally met her at the end of the previous, or I guess during the previous episode. Okay. This whole, you know, their dialogue exchange throughout is like, this girl wants to like seriously date her and be her like exclusive girlfriend. She's possessive and jealous. They had known each other for less than a week. Yeah. And I mean, I guess like, I appreciate some of that because, you know, for all I knew going in, like she could have been with this person for a couple of months and I just kind of went, Oh, so this is like, I assume it's a lot of the same writers now as it was in this. Oh yeah, uh, I think it's the same. same and I just kind of went, oh, so this is like their attempt to at least get into the psychology of of her having to make sacrifices to be to be a bat. Well, so like she has this hilarious fucking monologue soliloquy where you know the the framing for season one, which was largely the same but a little bit different every episode begins and ends and then there's kind of things in the middle where she's writing in this journal to bruce and sarah's you know they're basically ripping off gossip girl uh but then there's a hell of a lot more rachel maddow than i remembered yeah like it seems every time there's a commercial break we cut to you know vesper lynn's early morning uh talk radio and she's just exclusively commenting on specific things Batwoman did that no one would probably know about, like the, the battering thing. She's like, you know, yeah. well, we caught her on the museum surveillance camera, and, you know, she's terrible at it. That's Berlin. You went bond there for a minute. Sorry, what the fuck is her name? I don't remember. Fairchild? There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of it. Um, That's okay. You're, but, yeah, you're... so the, um, the the whole point of Kate Kane was she was written as one of these, you know, holier than thou cannot ever fail characters. And that's even the point of the episode. It's like it's it's inconceivable that Kate could have fucked up. It had to be the suit or the, you know, the batterings. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I will say Sarah said that, you know, I don't, she didn't know who Magpie was, but she's like the shot of her coming down like Mission Impossible style. She's like, oh, that was a good shot. And I was like, 
Yeah, that's one. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did appreciate that one too. Yeah, um, I did find it interesting that Dugray Scott at least seemed to give a shit. Oh yeah, in which, season one, like he he like actually you know yeah. acts and cares and shaves, which I would argue now he does not. Um, no, and it's so obvious now. He's just like, why am I yeah. on the show? Kill me. And uh, uh, Alice was way more. I don't want to say restrained. I mean, the whole point of that character is not restraint, but at least everything she did kind of made sense. Within- yeah. So season season one, Alice is a completely different character. Yeah. Uh, and at least at this point in the show, she actually has a motivation and things that she wants to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they they hinted as they were bringing in Mouse, who becomes like a major major player, as you know. Um, they. She's trying to expose Catherine Hamilton having covered up her death and, you know, psychologically mindfuck Kate and her father. And, you know, at this point, at least she she had motivation and uh, substance. So this was this was the thing you were telling me about earlier, where uh, I think we even brought this up on a previous show where uh, Mary's mom somehow used like bone fragments and DNA from like a deer. Yeah, so Mary's mom was jealous that Kate and Jacob were looking for Beth because, you know, missing daughter. Yeah. Uh, so to get them to stop, she fabricated a DNA analysis of uh, skull fragments, and it was just a deer that they killed. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I saw that scene where she, like, finally admitted that to Jacob, and I was like, what I'm missing is, like, how long did this go on for? Like, uh, 12 years. Okay, so it's not like she got pissy and jealous after like three months and went, fuck oh, you. No, no, no. That, that was three I'm months, yeah. Dig that, up a deer. That, that was three months. Yeah. So like, yeah, I was just kind of like, alright, I, I don't know if I care. Uh, Mary was also way less annoying. Yes. Way less like, I'm trying to be a groupie. Um, you know. And the the actress is kind of cute, so I tolerate a lot uh, in that case. But she's just way more like, and they've there's none of this like the weird fake angst she has with Jacob over in season two, where she's like, "You've tried to take everything away from me, and I hate you, even though I'm like 25 and not your kid." And uh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, number one, her mom is still alive at this point, but number two, Mary has like almost no interaction with Jacob throughout the entire season. Actually, that's one question I had. Is is Mary his kid? No. Okay. All right. I didn't think so, but yeah, no. Because yeah. I think she and Kate are supposed to be around the same age, so that wouldn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um so yeah, the magpie thing was uh, left to its own devices, you know, if you don't compare it to anything else, probably kind of crappy, but when the thing I kept going back to was, like, a lot of the season one, Air, season one Arrow and Flashback guys were kind of shitty, too, so, I mean, I feel you like... Know, as, as a villain, Magpie was fine, I mean, she's a Catwoman ripoff, they, they clearly, at least in season one, weren't going to have the rights to Catwoman or be able to do Catwoman. Right. Um, you know, it was just, and the actress who played her was fine. You know, she yeah. was one of the least offensive ones. Um, so the the premise is, you know, Magpie is basically just a Catwoman ripoff. She's stealing shit, and uh, 
she wants to steal Martha Wayne's pearls. So she raids the, oh, and I don't know if we've gone over this. It, it hasn't really come up in season two. There is no Wayne Manor, or there is, and we just don't see it. And this was a question Sarah had. Uh, this show, the budget was so non-existent, and they're so not fans of the character, that there's just this, like, Wayne Industries building that's yeah. also a penthouse apartment, and then that has the only Batcave in existence underneath. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. She also lives in that building? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, yeah. I missed that. Okay. Yeah. That was also the building, if I remember correctly, that was also the building that they found her in in Elseworlds. Yes. When Barry and Oliver went to Gotham. Yep. Yeah, that's really cheaping out. Yep. Uh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and this, like, I, I don't know. the um, I kind of appreciated the simplicity of the, the simplicity of the plot, generally speaking. I mean... Just as far as like the magpie wants the pearls and stuff, and then they try to get them back, and she has the bomb, the like fake pearls that are actually the bombs and whatever. Like that kind of struck me as more of a Batman type plot than the stuff we've been getting this year. Well, I will tell you, they retcon a major portion of this episode for something stupid, but I will not blow that reveal. Okay, because I'm sure I'll get there. So yeah, they, they have the 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 thing we've been talking about. Let's let's uh, set it up in full detail. Um, Kate takes on Magpie in the museum. She goes to throw a battering at her, and it comes back on the return. And it, she's not able to catch it. It keeps going, and it destroys like this priceless vase. Yeah. And uh, you know, Kate immediately says to Luke, "Well, it's not my problem. I didn't do it." What's the issue here? And then Luke calls her up on the bat communicator thing and, and says, well, I found the problem. Uh, the batterings were from bat, from Bruce's suit, so they were calibrated to his longer arms. Yep. Conveniently at a point where she's trying to break into somewhere that has such tight security, she has to go in there holding her breath and she can't talk. So, like, he, he basically owns up to that and can get no response from her because she's unable to speak. And then she sneezes and uh, the whole thing blows up. Yep, which I did think was funny. Yep. In a really silly, like, knee-slapping sort of way. Which yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you that. Shows like this should be should be beyond that, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I think, and yeah, when Sarah mentioned the thing with the grappling hook, was that just the thing at the end where, like, yeah, Magpie escapes the museum, and then Kate goes after her with the bat grapple thing, and then it cuts to another scene. And you just see her see Magpie flying into a public pool for no reason. Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll get to that, but because um, Sarah had the same reaction I did when I watched it live, and she just like you know leaned forward in her chair, turned her head a little sideways, and was like, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> But, yeah, uh, I did yeah. that too. I was like, "What am I seeing right now?" Okay. So, so Magpie has three D printed Martha Wayne's pearls as a replica, and they're going to be distraction bombs. And we don't know if they're actually bombs because their budget is so bad, and the CGI is even worse that they literally just blow up into these little puffs of bright flash, and then Kate hilariously does almost a Nick Arcade level thing 
of like whipping her cape around to contain the little explosions. And it's so clear that there's nothing actually there on screen with her and she's not doing anything. And like Sarah's watching this, she's like, so wait, is she like absorbing the brunt of these explosions? And I'm like, I think we're supposed to think that, but like the budget's so bad, we can't even see what's happening. I thought it was supposed to be like she was supposed to be covering them with the cape, but then no one told her where the eye line for it would have been. Yeah, so, that's what so it she's looks like, like. So she was just standing around whipping the cape around like that was going to do anything. And it's yeah, like, it's, it's ridiculous. For, it's like they forgot to tell her, oh, by the way, Ruby, the effect's going to be down here. Right. Like, like, at least, like, crouch down or something so it doesn't look like you're just staggering around like an idiot. The um, um the other thing is is the first episode where we get the woman who is not Ruby Rose in the bat suit. Uh, oh, she, okay. she plays Batwoman most of the time. I don't actually remember her name. Um they they got rid of her in season two, obviously, because you see now she ain't black. Um Hello, black. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, I did find it I did find it interesting that Kate clearly has the voice modulator thing that Oliver had. Yep. Um where Ryan doesn't really do that, and every single time she speaks, it sounds like a different. Every time she speaks in the in the bat suit, it seems sounds like a different voice. I'm like, did they just get a different person for this? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, so the other thing is, there there was at least three scenes throughout this episode where Ryan, or not Ryan, um, what the fuck is her name, Kate, and her non-girlfriend that she's sleeping with, are, they keep meeting up for, like, lunch dates, and she keeps having to blow her off, and that goes into her whole little soliloquy about how she's out and proud as a gay woman, and she came out in, like, third grade and never looked back, but now she can't come out as Batwoman. Right. It's such a non-one-to-one analogy that it, it's just ridiculous, and it falls completely flat. Yeah. Uh, then she uses the line to Luke that he was bat splaining. Yeah, I laughed so, at that. Just you know, th- this one was definitely your agenda hammer, and I mean, most of season one was. Um, yeah. And then, so I had confused this one with another episode where, I mean, I don't know, it's not really important, but there's another thing where they're probably in the same set as wherever the Martha Wayne Pearl heist was. Yeah. Uh, and then Jacob is there, and there's a whole scene with him and Batwoman. And I thought that was going to be in this episode. It wasn't. I was like, oh, okay. So he's just out of the episode now. And he was until the end when uh, Catherine tells him. But uh, so, yeah, she she stops Magpie and then follows her outside. Magpie is scaling a building. And you think like, oh, Kate's going to like use the grapple and go up there and they're going to have this big fight. She literally just shoots the fucking grappling hook into her back, which probably would have killed her Mortal Kombat style, and then gives it a yank. And as you said, it just awkwardly cuts to another scene of Magpie jumping off into a public pool, and then Magpie falls in the fountain. And when the whole thing comes together and you watch it, it's like one of the worst visual effects I've ever, ever seen in my life right See, after I just, season three. I just, I just, thought, three. Um, I just thought it was like you know, she used the grapple thing to chase after her. Yeah, that's then, what it looked like. And then, and then you don't, and then you, and then you don't see whatever the interaction was, and she just ends up, you know, but then, you're right, I realized after thinking about it for a minute, she literally yanked her off the building with the cable thing, 
and threw her into a pool. Yeah. And, like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my God. No, that, it absolutely would have killed her. And, like, she's fine in the next scene. Yeah. She also, she ditches the costume and then she shows up as uh, Kate Kane and she's, like, interrogating her as she's being led away by the crows. And I'm like, number one, where's the GCPD? Number two, how much time did it take her to go and change and come back as Kate? And then she claims to the girlfriend that she wasn't there and she gets caught in an obvious lie and it's like she clearly was there. Well, I I think the lie she gave was not that she wasn't there. It was more like, I tried to call you and you didn't pick up and then she went, Oh, I was on the phone with somebody else. And well, wait. Then, she she asked her if she saw what happened, and she's like, "No, I was out. I had to take a call." Right, and then she and says, then "She says I couldn't call you. I hit a dead zone." Right. So then the girl was like, "Well, it can't be both of those things." So right. But my my thing is this: like, yeah, you're semi related to Martha Wayne, mm-hmm. and you kind of sort of gave them the pearls, even though you didn't. You don't need to be there to trash talk the villain and your civilian guys. You right. can do that as Batwoman. You can just fucking leave. They take her away. And that's that. Like, she came back to get in the last word as Kate Kane for no reason. And that led to the whole conflict. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So, I mean, I would say this was better than any of the season two offerings so far, really. Except for maybe the Zaz one way back, which I actually kind of liked. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, writing wise, this is definitely one of the worst episodes of the whole series. Uh, but entertainment value, I it, yeah, I'm with you. It's better in that sense than most of season two. Yeah, uh, there was that one episode where I just said like, "This is the worst episode of Batwoman ever," and I stand by yeah. that. I feel like you've said that a couple times as we've been doing this. It's possible, you know. Uh, so as I understand it, there are two episodes left of this. This uh, year? season two, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think Flash is doing more though. Flash is doing something like eighteen. And there's um, not one on tonight, right? No, there's not. Uh, yeah. There's. Uh, we will probably not do this next week because there is no, there's no Flash tonight, and there's no Batwoman on Sunday. Because nah. they did not want to run against the Oscars, one buddy. I mean, we could um, do another retro one. If uh, no, uh, yeah, but we're do- we're doing the Mortal Kombat recording on Sunday. So, oh right, right. That'll be during the day, but still. Um, I did want to hit some, uh, I had some retro comic talk I thought was worth your time. Yeah, uh, let's do it. So I'm, in, I'm into the third trade of Nightfall, and you now, when you say the third trade, because I have like the original, there were three big ones, the three big ones. Okay, because now I know they, yeah. they put out like eight mini well, ones. Well, you know what? I did stupidly, I, I bought uh, they did the eight or nine mini ones, as you said. And I thought Prodigal and Troika were separate things. Yep. So I bought those. Oh. Um, and then I went back and looked at the, you know, Comixology lists all the issues in each thing. And I went, oh, some of these are the same. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually just sold Prodigal. I had it and I was like, this is the first instance of Dick Grayson not wanting to be Batman. I don't need yeah. this anymore. So I agree with you that the um, you and Brent had warned me that only really the first trade was any good. Um, yeah, I, I have to say I agree with that assessment, and here's where I found the biggest problem with it to be, right? Like, 
I understand, you know, and you can bring up the point that, you know, the whole John Paul Valley thing is kind of ridiculous because mm-hmm. he knows very little about this guy before he gives him the mantle of the Batman. But, like, I find it interesting that, you know, there's no, like, progression there. It's like he doesn't start out like, you know, he's immediately a fucking murderous psycho. Yep. Right. And I would have thought it would have been more interesting to, like, when he first gets the role, have him be like, oh, if uh, Bruce honored me with this, I should at least try to do it in the way that he did. And then maybe he fails a couple times or maybe things don't go exactly how he wants or somebody gets killed or something and he starts to get more he starts to get more brutal and shitty as it goes on but he just starts there and it's like well what's the point of this yep <laughs> um yeah i mean the the sort of Azrael uh lead up was good nightfall like the beginning like you said is good there i got the prelude book and i read through that and i mean like the art's great it's very uh just you know in the moment batman of the time and i'm like i don't really care but the you know initial lead up with the all the villains are loose and then bane is just like mind fucking him and he's like worked himself to the point of exhaustion and uh i remember the, the hilarious max landis video where he's drunk doing batman history he's like batman had pneumonia I don't remember if he actually did or not, but I mean, that's yeah. what he just keeps saying in the video. Well, that, he's like, you know, and he shows up to the cave with pneumonia, and then Bane kicks the shit out of him. They mentioned in the prelude that he was sick with something, and it could yeah. just be from exhaustion or whatever. But so I'm in the middle of the third, or about to start the third one, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I'm going to read it anyway, but I'm my interest is just gone. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's something that went on entirely too long. And that it doesn't even really get resolved until Prodigal. John yeah. Paul Valley was a costume. He's he's literally the Darth Maul, not yeah. the, the um, you know, the Disney animated the Clone Wars and all that stuff. Uh, where they say Darth Maul was just a costume. That that's what he was. He had like spiky yeah. claws. He had the yellow suit and the razor wings, yeah. and uh, you know that was it. It was. I like, really so- do like the outfit. <laughs> Yeah, the outfit's cool, and they had like two different color schemes. I remember they made the uh, they they made the action figure, they had the yellow one with the blue, and then like an orange one. Mm. And uh, I had now, that. That had to have been inspired by uh, you know the reaction to death of Superman, right? And yeah, you know, all, all this stuff went down around the same time. It's funny because you know there there is a very visceral reaction to the. Uh, you know, what I always call the SJW Marvel era of, um, you know, the, the all new, all different Avenger legacy uh, replacements with like, you know, Sam is Cap and then you have uh, fake Hulk and Tony Stark becomes a hologram. He's replaced by Ironheart. And it's like both Marvel and DC did this previously in the 90s and it failed then too. And I mean, you know, you had your right. Masterson, you had your uh, Wonder Woman was replaced by yeah. Artemis and then by Hippolyta. Uh, so yeah, around this time, you, you lose Hal Jordan. You've already lost Barry Allen. Superman's dead for a year. Batman fucks off with a broken back. And yeah. uh, they, they just kept trying to make these new people happen. And fans are like, nope. Yeah, the funny thing is, like, the difference between 
the way I think DC and Marvel did that back then and the way it's done now, especially in Marvel, like, you know, I, I feel like because of all the new 52 stuff, DC didn't try to do anything like this for a while, but like all the, all the, as you call them, the SJW replacements in Marvel, like those never felt with the exception of, I would say the, the Bucky as Captain America period. Those never felt like they were meant to be, like longer term things. It always felt like. No, I think if they became popular, they yeah. could have been, and they would have dragged them out as much as well, possible. The, and then you the, know, you had Lady Thor went on forever. Yeah. The other thing is that Marvel makes decisions for those things based around their films, and like everything has to be back to normal when the movie comes out. Like the. Bucky as Cap thing was actually was really popular. Like that was supposed to be way shorter. Oh yeah, than no, I, I was. wasn't. I wasn't saying yeah. anything about Bucky. I, I was saying uh, Sam right. as Cap. Like, oh yeah, short lived. But yep. yeah, but uh, but I mean, the example that I had was the the Bucky as Cap thing, and I did some research on that recently as a result of the TV show, um, where that was originally supposed to be. When Brubaker pitched that to them, it was originally supposed to be way shorter than it actually was. And, like, he wasn't supposed to be Cap in any Avengers shit or anything, which he was for a period. Um, but that was popular enough where they just kept going with it. And yeah, then, it's so gagbusters. Yeah, Everybody and then they, loved it. And then they pulled the plug on it right around the first Avenger and was like, no, this is just starting to get interesting. What are you doing? Um, you know, because they had this mindset of, like, Everything has to go back to zero for any time a movie comes out because so many people read the comics based on these movies. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, to, to get back to Nightfall, what really interests me about it, as like we've been saying, you know, the, the first book is great. I guess Bane also was pretty much a gimmick, although at least in the comics, he was fleshed out. He was like this really brilliant tactician. We didn't know much yeah. about him. It was kind of like when Doomsday came in, they didn't give him really a backstory or anything. Um, you know, everybody remembers the breaking of the bat. It's such an iconic panel and moment. It's been in movies, it's been in video games, cartoons. Nobody remembers Bane losing. Nobody remembers John Paul Valley kicking the shit out of him and running away. Yeah, that's true. I just read it within the last month. And I don't even remember it already. <laughs> I mean, basically what it is, is, you know, he's in this armored bat suit. It's got spiky claws and razor wings, and he just kicks the shit out of him. And yep. you're thinking, like, okay, so if Bruce is his master fighter, which he is, in theory, he could have probably just taken him. He was just exhausted, and that was the whole right. thing. Right. I think that was the whole, yeah. And which is funny, because you would think as much of an opinion as Bane had of his own skill, like... In some ways, he even seemed to know that he couldn't take Bruce unless he had put him in that position. Yeah. So, you know, the whole, like, Bane, like, you know, super hulking out on Venom, and especially, like, we see in the Arkham games, that doesn't come in until much later. Yeah. Uh, originally, Bane was a run-of-the-mill masked villain who wasn't really out of the norm for Batman at that time. I mean, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, you've got him going up against the likes of KGBs. You're on to your fourth or fifth Clayface. You know, so we move away from the comical bank robbers and people like the Joker and the Riddler to, you know, more of these, like, muscle-bound, like, 
80s, 90s terrorist types. So pain was just a dime a dozen. And the character took off based on that first uh, interaction. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I read uh, over the weekend, I got a little further into New Teen Titans. Uh, oh, okay. I got cool. to about I got to about fifty five. Uh, um, and the one thing I did appreciate was the I believe fifty was the wedding issue with Donna and Terry. Yep. And I appreciated the fact that it was just. It was just a character story. There was no like, no fucking supervillain shows up to blow up the wedding or anything. That is one of I believe like three or four straight weddings in comics. Obviously straight, not meaning the, the characters. Just that like you know nothing happens and it is just a you know winding down character story and and they actually end up getting married. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it. Like. I was turning every page just like, okay, when is like Dr. Light going to show up and screw this up entirely? And then it never happens. And I was just like, oh, cool. It um, does happen to two Titans, though. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, so I'll let you know as I continue to go through that. What? And I also thought it was funny, the, uh, the thing where uh, Deathstroke goes on trial and they, I think they don't, he doesn't get convicted because they can't actually prove it was him in the outfit. Yep. Which, you know, as a, you know, I kind of figured it wasn't hard to figure out that's how it was going to go, but I was just like, oh, I'm surprised the comic would actually do that. Okay. Well, I mean, that tells me that uh, all them Scooby-Doo people are, are getting acquitted. Yeah. <laughs> so I did have. Uh, some basic, uh, you know, we tend to go over like comic, movie, and TV stuff in here to fill time sometimes. Um, what are your thoughts on the whole uh, Dominic Purcell leaving Legends thing or going down to like semi recurring or whatever you want to call it? So I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, I've been slowly preparing Sarah for that one. I'm like, you know, my, my favorite show that's terrible is, is coming back and, uh, you know, he's like, well, what's it about? And I'm like, oh, it's a bunch of reject supervillains and hero adjacents that time travel through history and destroy everything. And there's a bunch of lesbians that go to Ikea. <laughs> and uh, she's like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's a CW show. You're going to love it or you're going to hate it, but we're definitely going to have to watch it. So. If I thought calling it Doctor Who with superheroes would do anything for her, that's what I would do. Um, yeah, I don't think that would uh, work. She does like a lot of history stuff. Yeah, and, you know the time travel aspect. So we'll we'll enjoy that. But I I did show her his uh, farewell tweet or whatever it was. I'm not yeah. surprised. He's been getting the short end of the stick on the writing end for years, and I mean he definitely has been phoning it in for at least two years. Yeah, I, honestly, I I loved his send off though, and I mean he's yeah. just like you know don't trust anybody. Well, he he apparently doubled back on that and said a a large part of that was a like some sort of publicity stunt, but I think that was more of a hey people noticed this and I was kind of hoping nobody would. Well, I was wondering if he was writing it a little bit in character, but he basically is his character. So. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would be interested to see like what her opinion of like the first season of that show would be. Uh, I would be more interested in the second season because the first season kind of sucked and I never want to watch that again. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
I liked it from the get-go because, I mean, my favorite actor in these shows who's not a main character was Wentworth Miller anyway. Yeah. And then, like, then you have Rip Hunter, who was basically Doctor Who, played by a Doctor Who sidekick. So I was like, yeah, all right, sign me up for this. Yeah, no, the the casting was definitely better, but yeah. the, the characters, the writing, everything. Season two is where yeah. it got me. I could have done without the Hawk people, um, just because the guy they got for Carter was atrocious. <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, and other in, in terms of some other things, just real quick to dip into Marvel a little bit. Uh, did you see the Shang Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings trailer? Uh, no, not yet. I gotta check that one out. Okay. Uh, it doesn't give you a lot, but it's, you know, it's right in their usual, it's right in their usual, like, tonal wheelhouse, um, which, you know, I question, I, I'm beginning to wonder if, like, you're gonna have to establish this thing where, like, some of these characters aren't gonna be Avengers people, like, because I have no idea how you're gonna get a character like Shang-Chi fighting fucking Kang or Thanos or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, he's definitely street level. Yeah, and I mean, that can that can work well. I mean, there's no reason not to do that, but at a certain point, I think, especially as they start mining more and more characters, like, uh, uh, you're gonna have, maybe they're gonna have to do this thing where, like, not all of these characters are going to be Avengers level people. Um, yeah. Yep. The other thing I just saw today was, and there's not a lot to this because they didn't say who the person was playing. Uh, Amelia Clark was cast in the Disney Plus Secret Invasion show. Yeah, I did see that, and uh, I don't know, maybe she's a scroll. Yeah, I would think she probably will be. I I know Brent threw out the idea that she might be the. Uh, the scroll queen who's running the whole thing. Um, I figured either that or she would be the haired sword chick. Yeah, we also haven't seen Abigail Brand yet, yep. which they could very easily do that. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think we're about done with our regular shit. I have to say that, as I said earlier, we probably won't do this next week because there's nothing that we would normally cover. Um, these shows will be back on uh, Sunday, May 2nd, and Tuesday, May 4th, respectively. And we will also have Legends back. Yes. On we'll to it. Yes. I have to go. I guess they put the first uh, preview out for six. I have to go look at it. Okay. Um, and to get into uh, some of what we have coming up, uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of double duty next week with uh, – you and I and Boris doing uh, the review for Mortal Kombat 21, mm-hmm. um, which I think we'll be recording over the weekend. And then um, uh, Justin and Brent and I and my little brother Tim will be doing uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier review show, which, of course, you know, you're more than welcome to chime in on. I know you'll be in there sort of for the for the hosting and whatnot. Um, but I know you haven't seen a second of it, I would wager. So, But, uh, yeah, so we'll be doing that this week as well. We will not make the usual Sunday release thing because of that, but we'll try to get those out as quickly as they're done. Um, and then I think after that we have 
got to figure out who wants to do the Invincible show. I think that's the first one in May. Yeah, I'll try to catch up on those. I haven't yet, but, you know, I got to Have you even it. started it, really? No, not the show. I, I read the first two okay. issues, and that was it. Yeah, because I'm about halfway through it. I got to... I gotta pick it up too. I wanted to read the comics first, but I really haven't had time. It's it's a lot though, dude. <laughs> I know I read fast. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out though how much of it will actually be used in the first season anyway. That's I mean, what I'm thinking it's probably like the first twenty issues. Yeah, I mean I have the whole thing, and I'm gonna try to reread it pretty soon anyway. Yeah. But uh, I was not gonna try to because I still have to watch like four of them, or by the time I think the last one. The last one is the week after. I think the last one is next Friday. So um, I think I'm about four episodes into that, and there's four more, I believe. Um, so yeah, we'll. I mean, maybe we'll get Brendan in for that. I know he loves that, so oh, yeah. we could maybe do that. Um, yeah. So thanks for joining me, Josh. We'll uh, we'll reconvene on on this particular corner in a couple weeks, and. Uh, since Legends will be on, maybe we'll be far more positive than we've been. Oh, yeah. No, when we like something, we, we definitely gush over it. Yeah. So have a good night, man. Hope you feel better soon. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'll be fine. But, uh, All right, dude. She's making me some hood soup. That always does the trick. All right. Is, oh, is she going to do uh, Mortal Kombat with us? Maybe. Uh, I think it comes out Wednesday or Thursday. Friday. Friday. All right, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And I think we're going to end up having to do that on, like, Sunday during the day. Oh, right. So that that's the thing. Um, she's not going to be around on Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah, just with Boris and the time change and whatever, I think we're going to end up having to do it on Sunday during the day. Yeah. But, um, all right. So I'll talk to you then, then, I guess. All right, buddy. Later. Yeah.